When church conflict happens, how can we manage our differences and find unity with each other in the body of Christ? How can we find harmony when getting along seems harder than just flipping a switch and deciding to do it? You know, sometimes at some point in your church experience, you're going to have a disagreement with somebody. Uh, there's going to be a time in your experience where there's going to feel like a tension in the room between you and certain people. What do you do in that situation? How can we find harmony whenever that harmony as the body of Christ has been compromised? It feels like it's been lost a little bit. If you were with us last week, that was a question that we raised and we started looking at because there's this passage in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul starts finding answers to those kinds of questions. In Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, right after Paul mentions this conflict in the church in Philippi, he lays out some habits of hearts and mind that can help us find harmony as a church. See, Paul knows that getting along isn't always as easy as just flipping a switch and deciding to do it. And so he offers to us these habits that mostly have to do with our attitude and our mindset, that if we can focus on these things as a church, it'll go a long way toward helping us find harmony as the body of Christ. And so last week, we started looking at this passage where Paul mentions these habits, and we looked at the first two habits, rejoicing in the Lord and uh, being reasonable with one another. I remember these. Right? Okay. <laughs> so this week, what we want to do is pick up where we left off and just keep looking at a couple more of the habits that Paul offers us in this passage. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and let's pick up where we left off last time, looking at the third and fourth habit for harmony that Paul gives us in this passage in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into the passage and look at these next two habits for harmony here in the text. Our Father, um, when conflict happens, uh, we, all of us, have some deeply ingrained habits of heart and mind that uh, are very powerful in the moment of our conflict. And quite honestly, oftentimes we don't even notice or think about the way that we're thinking or feeling or acting in the moment. Now, God, I pray that today the light of your word would shine on our lives. You would help us to examine ourselves honestly. And in that examination, um, come out on the other side thinking and feeling and acting differently. Pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today our passage is, uh, it, it consists of three basic parts. First, there's a prohibition, something for us to stop doing or avoid doing. Second, there's a prescription, something for us to start doing or keep doing. And then third, there's a promise, something that will happen if we follow the prohibition and the prescription. So, you're picking up on a theme here, right? Prohibition, prescription, and promise. It consists of three things. So what I want to do today is just walk through those three things and examine our lives kind of as we go along looking at the text, okay? So first, let's start with the prohibition. What is it that Paul tells us to stop doing or avoid doing uh, today? Well, you'll see at the beginning of verse 6 that the prohibition that Paul gives to us is he tells us, 
do not be anxious. He wants us to stop being anxious, to stop anxiety in its tracks. That's the next habit for harmony that Paul's going to mention in this text. It's the prohibition not to be anxious about anything. Read the beginning of verse 6 with me. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a pretty straightforward prohibition. Paul's telling us to stop doing something, to stop being anxious. It's our next habit for harmony here in this passage. I think it's worth thinking about a little bit. You know, I wonder, if you were to make a list of all the things that you feel whenever you're dealing with an unresolved conflict, what are some of the things that would be at the top of that list? Maybe anger, disappointment, frustration, exhaustion, probably feel a lot of different things, but I bet for many of us, the thing that would be right at the very top of the list is the feeling of anxiety. Conflict just eats us up, and we feel anxious. We get knots in our stomach, right? We, uh, our minds start racing. We start losing control of our thoughts. We start thinking about all the possible outcomes and all the worst-case scenarios. It just eats us up mentally. Uh, it even eats us up physically. Over time, our bodies kind of start breaking down. I, I always think it's kind of weird. We do strange things with our diets whenever we're anxious, you know? Uh, either we start going on a diet and skipping meals, or we start getting really hungry and eating way more than we would normally eat whenever we're not anxious. And uh, anxiety just has a way of eating us up whenever we're in conflict. If you're like me, uh, then you probably feel a lot of anxiety whenever you experience conflict, and conflict has probably been a big part of the most anxious times in your life. If there's one thing that we're prone to do whenever we're dealing with conflict, it's be anxious. Now, it's not like we uh, want to be anxious in those moments, right? It's not like we're making the choice to do it as though uh, we're looking at a, a menu of emotions and making that call like, hey, I'm going to consciously choose to be anxious in this moment. That's not so much what it is, right? Instead, it's just a habit. It's this uh, uh, kind of conditioned response to conflict that we've built up over the course of a lifetime. It's not something we want to feel. It's not something we're consciously choosing to feel. It just kind of happens. Anxiety is just a habit that happens. At least that's how it's usually experienced by us. But the thing about anxiety, whenever we're uh, anxious, is that anxiety doesn't work. Have you noticed that? Anxiety uh, rarely yields anything that is ultimately constructive. It's counterproductive. In fact, it's more than counterproductive. Our anxiety uh, um, uh, is absolutely destructive a lot of times. You know? Our anxiety is destructive for us mentally, our thoughts start racing, our minds start jumping from worry to worry to worry, and then we end up walking around kind of in this mental fog. We don't see things uh, like we would normally see them. We can't see the big picture. We don't have the clarity that we need to make the best decisions. So our anxiety, it hampers us mentally. Our anxiety also is destructive for us at the level of our feelings. You know, one thing I've noticed about anxiety is that when I'm feeling anxious, it has a way of kind of taking up all the emotional energy that I have. And there's not a lot left over to feel the sorts of things that I really ought to be feeling. Gratitude, joy, real sympathy for other people. All those things that I would like to be feeling, they kind of get taken away, swept away by this tidal wave 
of anxiety, and there's not a lot left over emotionally. And so, in part because of that, anxiety also is counterproductive for us relationally. It doesn't fix conflicts. It doesn't solve the problems in our lives. It doesn't help us to look at things from another person's perspective. When we're anxious, we tend to be pretty self-consumed. So anxiety doesn't lead to harmony. And so I don't think it's any coincidence here in this passage that the next habit Paul mentions as a habit for harmony in this text is this prohibition. Don't be anxious. If you look around in the surrounding context, all the other habits that Paul's going to mention in this passage are positive commands. They're exhortations for us to start doing something or keep doing something. This one right here is the only prohibition. Do not be anxious about anything. And I think Paul gives us that prohibition because he knows if there's one thing uh, that most of us tend to do and that's destructive whenever we're in a conflict, it's be anxious. And so he calls it out and he tells us not to do it. Do not be anxious about anything. If you're like me and you've spent your lifetime building this habit of anxiety, uh, then when you look at that command, it feels like the sort of thing that, it sounds simple, but boy, it's just about impossible to do it, right? It's kind of like talking to an alcoholic and telling them, just stop drinking. You know, don't be anxious. Well, yeah, that sounds great, but I've spent my whole lifetime building up this habit. I know it's not constructive for me. I know it'd be better to stop my anxiety in its tracks. But a lot of times, anxiety feels like a runaway train. It's pretty hard to stop. It's not very easy to actually live out this prohibition that Paul gives us here. And so I think it's interesting in this text that right after Paul gives us this command to stop our anxiety in its tracks, he offers to us an alternative to our anxiety. He gives us a prescription for a replacement. If anxiety is this bad habit that we need to break, then we need to replace it with a new habit, this discipline of prayer, that we need to stop being anxious and we need to pray, pray, pray. That's the other habit for harmony that Paul mentions in its text. It's the prescription to pray. Look again at verse 6 with me. Do not be anxious about anything. That's the prohibition. Now look at the prescription Paul offers in its place. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul gives us the prescription that we need to pray. And there in that verse, he lists three different words that are used for prayer. The words that are translated prayer and supplication, requests. And all three of those words are pretty synonymous. They're used interchangeably in Scripture. And so if you wanted to uh, give a paraphrase that would kind of bring out Paul's tone in this passage, we could paraphrase it as something like this. Stop being anxious and just pray, pray, pray. When you're experiencing anxiety, you need to identify that anxiety and take it to the Lord in prayer. We need to replace this bad habit of anxiety with a new constructive habit this discipline of prayer. It's kind of like a, uh, a water bottle. If you had soap bubbles in a water bottle, that's refreshing. If I'm washing this water bottle and I put some dish soap inside it because I need to clean it out, I shake it up, I can't 
turn it over and just pour out all of the soap bubbles. There's still going to be soap left in there. If I need to get the soap out of the bottle, I need to fill the bottle up with water, right? I need to displace the bubbles so that they all wash out until eventually only the water is left over. And that's how these habits here in this passage, they work together. Uh, anxiety and prayer. If, if we're going to get rid of this bad habit of being anxious in our lives, uh, then we're going to need to displace it with a new practice, a new habit that steps into its place and uh, kind of washes out the anxiety. And that is the habit of prayer here in this text. Stop being anxious and pray, pray, pray. Those two habits that Paul mentions as habits for harmony in this passage, they go together hand in hand. When we're experiencing anxiety, we need to take our concerns to the Lord and bring them to Him in prayer. And I want you to look carefully with me at what Paul has to say about prayer here in this passage in verse 6. It's interesting. There's the main command, let your requests be made known to God. But as Paul makes that main command, he also tells us a couple of other things about it. He gives us the when, the timing of the action, and he also tells us the how, the manner, the attitude with which we ought to pray. Look closely at the text. When should we pray? What should be the timing of that action? Well, Paul tells us to let our requests be made known to God in everything, in every circumstance, all the time, we ought to be letting our requests be made known to God. We ought to be praying like we have a bad cough, right? You think about when you've had a cough, uh, it kind of follows you throughout the day, right? When you're uh, eating breakfast, when you're sitting at the table, when you're talking with your kids, when you're interacting with your wife, when you're at your office and you're talking with coworkers, when you're on the phone, when you're sitting at your desk, you lie down at bed at night and in every circumstance, you're coughing. Well, that's the image here that uh, we should have in our minds about the continual nature of our prayers. In every circumstance, we ought to be praying like we've got a bad cough. Uh, but Paul doesn't just give us the timing of our prayers. He doesn't just answer the when. He also answers the how. He tells us the manner in which we ought to pray, the attitude we ought to have as we approach God. Did you catch it? Look again at the verse. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's the manner with which we ought to pray, with thanksgiving. We ought to approach, approach God with this posture of thankfulness. Our attitude should be one of gratitude as we come to God and present our request to Him. And I think that's incredibly important for us to notice. You know, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, one thing that's true of that situation is we tend to forget to be thankful. Uh, we get so wrapped up in the problems that we're facing that we don't really recognize. We have a blind spot to all the things in our life that we had to be thankful for. I'm not sure if it's that our anxiety causes us not to be thankful or if it's our lack of thankfulness causes us to be more anxious. I kind of feel like it's probably this uh, reciprocal relationship, a downward spiral that happens between those two things. But at any rate, there's clearly a correspondence in our lives between anxiety and the lack of gratitude. And so I think it's so perceptive what Paul tells us here. As he tells us to present our request to the Lord, he makes sure that we notice, hey, we need to be doing this with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. We ought to be offering our request to the Lord with thanksgiving. We need to come to God, putting the brakes on our anxiety, 
bringing our request to him in this posture of thanksgiving as we pray, pray, pray. That will make a huge difference in our lives. Now, one thing I've noticed about myself when I come to this verse, it's kind of a strange thing that happens. Because uh, I, I generally, uh, when I read things in Scripture, I tend to see them relatively clearly. But when I come to this passage, it, it's like I have a sort of spiritual dyslexia where I, uh, I come to the text and instead of not being anxious about anything and praying and everything, I find that I'm anxious in everything and not praying about anything. I tend to get this passage backwards. And I've noticed that that's kind of an epidemic in our church, in our society, as Christians in uh, uh, the 21st century. We get this passage backwards. It's a hard passage to obey, and that's because we've developed this habit over the course of a lifetime of being anxious in all kinds of circumstances, and it's very difficult to rewire ourselves to approach the Lord in prayer. So if you're going to obey this passage, it's going to be hard work. I'm going to say it right up front. This is not going to be easy. But i got a little tip for you, just a little exercise to get you started, a practical way that you can start applying this verse this week. So here's what I'd like you to do. You know, it's the wintertime. There's a lot of sickness floating around these days. I've had a bad cough all this week. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to get a, a pen and a piece of paper and keep it with you at all times this week. Get a notepad and a pen. I want you to have that with you all the time. And then every time that you hear somebody cough, hear somebody sneeze, you hear somebody blowing their nose, clearing their throat, I want you to pause what you're doing just quietly, jot down a quick note of something you're thankful for, and pray about whatever happens to be on your heart in that moment. Let the sickness be a signal for you, okay? When you hear a cough, you hear sneezing, people clearing their throat, blowing their nose, let that be a signal that reminds you to start practicing these two habits for harmony here in this text. It's going to be a challenge to live this stuff out but hey, just for one week, give it a shot. Try to do this as a first step of applying this verse. And uh, I'd love to see next week what happens uh, when we come back together. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me how it goes. Okay? And I'm going to try it too. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully we don't get anxious about getting sick, listening, noticing all the coughing. You know. Yeah. Well, um, well-timed. Okay. Uh, by the way, you look at these two habits, think about the difference, the difference this stuff would make if, in our conflicts if we actually start putting these things into practice. Think about how far that would go towards harmony in our church. Have you ever been in a conflict with somebody? And it doesn't feel natural to do this, but you, you in the midst of that conflict, force yourself to express thanksgiving for that person and you pray about that situation to God, that's a habit that leads to harmony. Now, my wife Rachel and I, uh, we get along pretty well in marriage, but you know what? We've been married 14 and a half years, and over that period of time, there have been some moments where we've experienced conflict. I know that's shocking. I'm seeing like wide eyes. It's shock. Uh, yes, you know, how could anyone disagree with Rachel? Uh, I know. It's, it's crazy, but it has happened. Uh, but one thing that Rachel and I have, have done right in our marriage is that uh, every night, without fail, we always pray together before we go to bed. Whether we're getting along, whether we're in the middle of a conflict, every night 
we sit down and we will pray together. And you know what? That one little habit is something God has used in incredibly powerful ways to keep us together in harmony as a couple over these 14 and a half years. We might be butting heads going into that moment, but when we pray together, it forces us to express thanksgiving for each other. It forces us to talk about the situation to God. You don't talk to God like maybe you talk to other people about conflicts you're dealing with. And you know what that does? It just takes all the tension out of the room. And then it lets us re-enter the conflict after the prayer from a completely different perspective. It's a habit that leads to harmony. The next time you experience conflict with somebody here at EBF, if you put the brakes on the anxiety, you take your concerns to the Lord with this posture of thanksgiving, that is going to go such a long way towards harmony here at this church. Okay, well... Stop being anxious and pray, pray, pray. Those are the habits for harmony here in the passage that we looked at. One's a prohibition. One's its replacement, this prescription. Uh, So then what's the promise that Paul makes in this passage? If we'll push back against our anxiety, if we will take our concerns to the Lord in thankful prayer, Paul promises something pretty spectacular. He promises that we'll experience this supernatural peace It comes from God. That's the promise that Paul makes in this passage, a supernatural peace from God. Look with me at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul promises that we'll experience the peace of God. And did you notice how the peace is described there? I think this is interesting. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, Literally here it says the peace that goes beyond every mind. When we're stressed, we're anxious, our minds start to race. and We try to reason our way out of the anxiety, right? That's what we tend to do. We lie in bed at night and we think and think and think and think and think and think and think. And all of that thinking usually doesn't get us very far. It's very hard to reason your way out of anxiety. And yet here in the text, Paul talks about a peace that comes from God that transcends all human reasoning, all that thinking. And it's a peace that God will give to us if we would just take our concerns to him in thankful prayer. I love that image. Now I want you to notice, though, what the text doesn't promise. Look at the text again. You don't see any promises there about God saying yes to all the requests that you bring to him. The text doesn't promise that if you come to God in prayer that he'll fix all the conflicts in your life. The text doesn't promise that God's going to solve all of your problems. He doesn't promise to do anything with your external circumstances. So you might pray, you might be feeling anxiety, you might bring concerns to the Lord, and you know what? Nothing might happen. God doesn't promise to change anything about your external circumstances, but God does promise to do some kind of work on the inside, in our hearts and in our minds. He might not change anything on the outside, but on the inside, God promises to protect our hearts and our minds with this supernatural peace. And the image there is is awesome. It's one I love. It's the image uh, drawn from the realm of the military. It's the idea of a, um, a God's peace watching over our hearts and minds like a garrison of soldiers stationed to protect the city. 
It's like a fully armed SWAT team watching over us. That's the image that Paul has in mind for how God will protect our hearts and minds with his peace when we bring our request to him in prayer. And I love that image because you've got to keep in mind as Paul is writing this, he's a prisoner under Roman guard. He's got these Roman soldiers watching over him in a prison cell. And there's kind of an irony where he sees that, he takes that image and he applies it to the way that God's peace will watch over our hearts and our minds if we would just bring our concerns to him in thankful prayer. I love that image there. It's a beautiful promise that Paul makes. Whatever our circumstances, whatever stress we might be under, however deep the anxiety is that we think that we're feeling, if we would take our concerns to the Lord, with a posture of thanksgiving, God promises to guard our hearts and our minds with a peace that transcends all human reasoning. That's an incredible promise. That's a peace I want to experience. In fact, that promise, it almost sounds too good to be true. Right? There might be a part of you that when you read this verse, it, it seems too good to be true. It seems way too simple to actually work. Paul says here, stop being anxious, just pray, and you'll find peace that comes from God. And I'm guessing that for many of us, as we read that text, deep down, I mean, if we're really being honest, in our heart of hearts, that just sounds a little bit too simple to work. It kind of sounds like a naive optimism. It's like a fad diet or a get-rich-quick scheme or something. Paul's solution here doesn't match the complexity of our lives. And so we don't, deep down, we don't buy it, you know? Your prayer life is weak. You're a chronic worrier. You understand the words on the page here in Philippians, but deep down, if you were being honest, you don't think that this text actually applies to you. Your problems are too big. Your anxiety is too deep for something as simple as this to work. If that's you this morning, there are two things I don't want to tell you. First of all, this passage may sound simple, but I'm going to insist this is not easy. It's going to be hard work to live this out. If you're a chronic worrier and anxiety is something that you deal with all the time in your life, Changing the things that Paul's talking about here in this passage is going to be a major undertaking. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to be like going from eating meat and potatoes to becoming a vegan. This is going to be a big deal. This isn't a, a get-rich-quick scheme. This isn't a fad diet. It's a lifestyle. And just because it's straightforward, don't let that fool you into thinking, oh, it's just too simple for it to work for somebody like me. The second thing I want to say to you is if you're a person who's looking at this text and you've just got too much anxiety to think that it could possibly apply to you, I would just ask you to take a spirit of curiosity and just give it a try. Just try it out for a little bit. For the rest of the year, since we've got half the month left of December, just give this a try. Put it to the test. See if what Paul's talking about in this passage really works. See if it's true to life. When Paul says that there's this peace of God that transcends all understanding, is that just naive optimism? Or will God really guard our hearts and our minds with that peace if we take our concerns to him in prayer? The only way that you can find out is to give it a try. Just put it to the test. See if it works. I know it sounds too simple to work. I know it seems too good to be true, but just give it a try. 
That's what I did in my life. When I was 21 years old, I was experiencing an overwhelming amount of anxiety in life. Uh, there was this window of time where I was completely overwhelmed. I was having panic attacks all the time. I felt like I couldn't control my thoughts. I felt like I couldn't control my feelings. I was struggling just to function at the basic functions of life. It was bad. And I can look back now and see that I had spent a lifetime developing some really unhealthy habits of thought, and it had become the case that basically any experience in my life, whatever was going on, uh, my default reaction to that experience was one of anxiety. And then, with some friends, some people in my life who helped me out, I started to try to put what Paul's talking about here in this passage into practice. I started confronting my anxiety, making the conscious choice to try to do something differently, replacing this habit with the habit of prayer. I started keeping a prayer journal where I'd write down uh, things that I was thankful for, count my blessings, and then I'd bring my concerns to the Lord and pray about them. I started keeping a close eye on when it was that I felt anxious. I looked at all the, uh, the when, uh, uh, who I was around, the situation I was in, when I was feeling anxiety, and I started making the conscious choice to try to replace that routine of worry in my life with the routine of prayer. And you know, when I did that, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of hard work. It took intentionality. It took focus. It was hard work to try to put this stuff into practice and embrace these habits for harmony in my life. It was rewiring a lifetime of a certain way of viewing the world and trying to embrace a whole new way of living. But when I did that, it was worth it. It was worth it. It really was. You know, when I uh, started confronting the anxiety by bringing my concerns to God in prayer, God didn't change my external circumstances. God didn't just zap away all the problems I was facing. God didn't uh, resolve the conflicts that were going on in my life. The brokenness that was there was still there on the outside. But God did a miracle inside of me. He changed my heart. He protected my mind. And it changed the way that I thought and I felt about my external circumstances. And I started finding the peace that God talks about in this passage. And you know what? Little by little, as I was experiencing that peace on the inside, I started finding harmony in my relationships. My conflicts started getting resolved. My external circumstances did kind of start to change. When we confront our anxiety and we take our concerns to God with thankful prayer and a spirit of gratitude, God is faithful to guard our hearts and our minds with a peace that surpasses all human understanding. That's not just naive optimism. That's a promise that you can put to the test and prove in your own life. So if right now you're a little skeptical, just give it a try and see what happens. Let's pray. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Father, I know in this room there are many of us
plagued with the weight of anxiety. And we've spent a lifetime building that habit, responding to the things in our lives through that lens. Would you do a supernatural work by your grace to rewire the habit, to help us displace that worry with thankful prayer that we might experience the peace you talk about in this passage, that peace that goes beyond all of our reasoning, all of our reflecting. And may it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus that we might think and feel and live differently. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.